Hi everyone, welcome back to Chat Shit Get Fit and welcome to the very much overdue episode all about placebo and nocebo. If you're a long-term listener, you'll know we constantly mention the power of both, so we think it's about time we explore the topic fully. It's a serious topic, but of course, this is Chat Shit Get Fit, so you know, do expect the odd bit of chaos. You may be surprised looking at the length of this episode, but trust me, there's so much to unpack here. And the ending statements by Tom, well, they're certainly worth the wait. And if they don't highlight the importance of language, then I don't think anything can. So let's get into this week's episode. Hello, boys. Welcome back. Good evening, gentlemen. Hi, everyone. How do you like my new microphone? Oh, Andy, that, well, that, that is... Was very, that was very deep. That, was, that is that was liquid tent, chocolate in my ear. That is radio. Ooh. Welcome to Smooth FM. This is very Freddie Mercury, isn't it? Oh, you I look mean, good. If you're watching on YouTube, you've had to see this, but um, <laughs> the listeners won't know what you're doing, Tom. Well, let's hope they are watching it, but I'll, I'll give them something they can understand. Hey, oh. And I'm assuming oh. that the audience is repeating <laughs> what I'm saying. We dropped him with the shit there, didn't we? Just watched them do that. <laughs> but no, well, no like, obviously you guys didn't join in, but what matters is is the audience definitely joined in. The audience yeah, they were like, hey, oh. Yeah. They're not just like, they're definitely not like just blanking me out and going, what, what, what the fuck is he doing? Why is there a lengthy pause? You know? Yeah. But You can't um, edit any of that either, Bill. <laughs> you can't look at pulse like, yeah. and I'll tell you what like I like the way you can hold it as well you can hold it like this or you can kind of like you could be a bit like heavy metal with it hold it like that you know like when they scream into the mic you could be the old Eminem so you can you know like Obi Trice real names no gimmicks you know you can do lots of stuff <laughs> with this microphone the way you can hold it but here's can you the recite thing, anything I... from the streets because you sound like that guy from the streets when you did oh, that, that was, um, yeah. I, oh, I yeah, fucking hated the streets god are they still around? All right. Are they still alive? Oh, you don't sound like anything like him then. Nothing. You Nothing. Oh, hang on. Dry your eyes, mate. There's no reason to be down. How's that? <laughs> Bannon, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> if you're still with us, though, I want to say, like, um, this is a new microphone setup we're using, but I am used to our old microphone. So what I'm going to do is, because I'm used to the old microphone, even though it's not plugged in, I'm going to put the old one in front. So I can kind of get like a like a that psychological benefit. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it still fills up on the placebo of having yeah. the other. Oh, yeah, it's my oh, placebo. Boom. So yeah. the old microphone in front and I can just placebo myself. Nothing's changed. Thinking you're using the new one. Yeah, I like yeah. it. So you're avoiding yeah. that change by placebo. Exactly. You're placeboing yourself, which is uh, yeah. quite, in, quite interesting. Well, you've you got your ritual, haven't you? You've got your ritual, which is talking That is my ritual, one. Andy. Uh, there is a problem with this, though. Um, when I kind of look down, I do realise that it's not actually plugged in. And then I, I notice about myself. <laughs> and you it don't all want just to goes to shit. Yeah. I don't want to record anymore. It has a negative effect. Speaking of placebo, though, obviously the title of this episode will give it away that we are talking about placebo and nocebo today. So I think we've kind of highlighted what a placebo is, but we're going to a little bit more depth for what a placebo and a nocebo is. Tom, would you want to give us some absolute bulletproof definitions? I would, but Sci-Hub's down, so now I have to show myself <laughs> up and make you all go and make shit. I just repeat things what I read online. Um, it's okay. Let's go into Wikipedia. Ah, uh, right. yeah. That's supposed to be a that's supposed to be a typing sound effect. Obviously, if you now decide to use this part as the video, 
you'll see that I'm just making that sound effect. I'm not actually typing. Instead, I'm pouring some cranberry juice, which you mm-hmm. can hear. Mm-hmm. I've just fucking spilled that all down my legs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like I pissed myself. We are so good at starting off this podcast. We. I see what you did there, mm. mate. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> God, there's a zero class to this podcast. It's a fitness podcast, I tell people. Yeah, no, I see it a lot in your story, mate. You, yeah. I always put pictures up of like random shit and you go, this is a, this is a fitness podcast. This is a fitness podcast despite ev- most of what we say on the podcast, which is not yeah. fitness related. Um, right, but anyway. Right. So a placebo. What is it? A, pl- a placebo is something that is dead fucking hell. Right. <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> now I've lost the fucking plot, ain't I? God, I could edit this bit. Right. <laughs> is it? <laughs> Are you still getting fucked Are by the dog? Are you still getting shagged by the dog? <laughs> no. <laughs> right. Please edit this out. Jesus. Right. Yeah, yeah. So a placebo is something that when delivered will give you the idea that you're expecting something positive to happen. So because you're expecting something positive to happen, you sometimes a positive outcome will happen. Now, a placebo could be delivered in many ways. It could be delivered as a supplement. It can be delivered via language. It could be delivered by, well, many ways, uh, including our surroundings. The best way to describe a placebo is usually through the supplement route. So, for example, if I was down the gym and I had my cranberry juice here, but Andy didn't know it was cranberry juice. He just saw this red liquid and he said, what's that? And I said... This is liquid steroid that you drink. Here, try some. It will boost your strength. Chances are, Annie's going to hear that and perceive it as, well, Jesus Christ, this is definitely going to get me stronger. And chances are, not definitely, but chances are, that Andy's going to suddenly have like a massive strength boost during his uh, training session. Just to clarify, this is just cranberry juice. It ain't actually steroids. And I wouldn't take it because I'm in the army. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a valid point. I feel like you should have used a different example, Tom, than, uh, you know, illegal drugs. Let's say that this Jim Beam was a steroid. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. We're done. Uh, See you later, guys. Yeah. Good podcast. I'm just just getting humped again. Hold on. I'm getting humped. Hold on. I can tell. I can see the motion. I I hope to God this needs, uh, you need to. Right. Do you know what? We're not editing this out now. We've got to describe what's going on. Right. um, No, I'm not going to put this on YouTube. Um, Why not? It's not bestiality, is it? You're dog shaggy. <laughs> it's not like your frame. It's it's not your ploughing into your dog. You know what I mean? It's not weird like that, is it? <laughs> um, so, Tom, you describe basically what a um, placebo is. What would be the the opposite of that? Well, as you said, Bill, it would be the opposite of that. <laughs> no, so yeah, we've got we've got placebos. We just explained, and then we've got something called a nocebo. Now, if you've followed me for quite some time, you probably know what a nocebo is by now. Do we? Fuck it. Yeah, geez. Yeah, yeah, you know. I know, <laughs> I know. know, I know. Um, we should have done this episode earlier, shouldn't we? We've been we've been mentioning all this so much in the it's podcast. It's been a long time coming, isn't it? Yeah. However... Yeah, but there might be a listener that hasn't got a clue. That as well. That as well. But, I mean, uh, and that's, that, that goes hand-in-hand with what I was about to say, and that is that I, rec- I, I personally believe that the majority of people, although they know what a placebo is, they don't know what a nocebo is, and it is basically the opposite of a placebo. So let's flip it on its head a little bit. A nocebo is when you you have negative expectations of something. You are delivered a nocebo. 
it gives you that negative expectation. So straight away, you think something bad is going to happen and it may lead to negative outcomes. So for example, if I took this red cranberry juice here and I gave it to Andy in a training session, it's like Groundhog Day, isn't it? Mm. It's like the alternate ending. Um, this is like our Justice League cut, isn't it? But yeah, I'm not going to say it, Bill, don't worry. I'm not going to say we live in a society, you know, I just did. But yeah, basically, if I gave Andy this this cranberry juice and I said, look, just so you know, you've just had a sip of my cranberry juice, but I actually put something in there that actually decreases your performance. It makes you feel really sluggish and tired. Chances are Andy might then start feeling sluggish and tired during his session. But no suppose can go down a lot worse of a route, but I'll get into that more later on. Well, I think you saying it can go down a worse route. So when I looked into it, basically, if, if you're inherently a more optimistic or a pessimistic person, that can also have an effect. So that basically means if you're someone who always looks at the positive side of things, you're more likely to get drawn in by that placebo effect of anyone, anyone could basically say anything to you that sounds good because you're so optimistic, you'll be buzzing. Whereas on the other side of that, you're always going to be thinking, oh, that's shit. Oh, that's going to do that. Oh, that's going to be bad for me. Or if someone says sugar's bad, you know, you're going to automatically assume that it's really bad. And you're, anytime you have sugar, you'll make, you might feel crap because you think it's bad because you're naturally pessimistic so that's also something to note it will depend on your personality as well how much these take a take an effect um yeah totally good example good example you made a while ago tom was um the, the thing with the shoes i think scott you made a post didn't he about uh running oh, trainers which or fucking one? shoes yeah which <laughs> one? i know it was about shoes basically saying you need to wear the you need the right shoes to do this lift and you were basically saying well you're now putting someone off doing the healthy habit yeah. of squatting yeah, by saying course, that they yeah. need to wear lifting shoes. Because everyone that, that's looking down at, that is, every, yeah, everyone's looking down at the feet going, oh, well, I haven't got them shoes that he's told me I have to wear, so I can't squat. Yeah. Can't squat. Yes, there you go. And so he's obviously not thinking about the no, the noticeable effect when he's putting that content out. No, of course. So just, to, I mean, I think a lot of our listeners will probably know who Squat University is or, or Squat U, shortened version. Um, but for our listeners that aren't, he's a really, really, really big platform um, I think, is he a physiotherapist or yes. he's, he's some kind of like, he's in that kind of clinical setting. But the problem is, so <laughs> kind of like how a while back I was in my socioeconomic phase where every episode I'd mentioned socioeconomic, but now we've gone down the recovery route, I've started adding something called the biopsychosocial model. So there is a reason why I'm bringing this up. When we look at things like pain and injury, it's determined by many factors and we kind of like condense those into something called the bio psycho social model so biological biomechanical biomedical however you want to put it then you've got the psychological aspect then you've got the social aspect as well the problem with people like squat you is they only look at the root through a biomechanical lens and kind of like yeah what andy said um it could put people off squatting so if you think shit this physiotherapist who's got thousands and thousands of followers, he is basically an authority in the industry, and he said that you should not squat unless you've got these, what, fucking $200 lifting shoes. Yes. Yeah, when I've better take that advice. Up. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there's no benefit to wearing flats or wearing weightlifting shoes, but it's a bit of a reach to then say it's dangerous to be lifting those shoes. Um, I mean, for the past six weeks, I've been actually lifted. I've been doing squats in Harachis, which are probably the worst fucking yeah. shoe you can lift in. Your content, I always notice you, you wear anything really on your feet when you're doing your lifts, and it doesn't seem to cause you yeah, much right, issue, Bill. to be honest. I don't want to flex on your vessel. <laughs> <laughs> I've squatted in Crocs before. 
Please tell me that's a joke. No, I've squatted <laughs> in Crocs. I find them comfortable. They're my placebo. Don't fucking no sabo me, because I'll no sabo you right back. <laughs> I'll no sabo everyone in this room. Go on then. All right, you're now aware that you're breathing. And you're blinking. <laughs> Did you see that, Andy? He's fucking blinking. <laughs> but yeah, um, for, for our listeners, just to give an example of how psychological impacts can kind of occur, um, yeah, you're, you're probably now aware that you're blinking. And if you're out running, listening to this, you're now aware you're breathing, so I've just fucked your run for you. Dare, take that. So this podcast can actually do more harm than good at this, at this point, but... Um... I haven't said anything. You two are doing more I've, harm than I've good. just noticed I, about myself because now I'm, I'm really aware that I'm blinking and it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck so. Um, let's bring it back to Earth a little bit. Um, so we'll look at some, it wouldn't be the chat shit at Get Fit podcast if we didn't bring up some some science bombshells. So we'll take a look at some data here. We've got a systematic review from 2019, which is fairly recent. And this data basically suggested that placebo and nocebo effect has a small but notable effect on performance in most cases. This is obviously talking about physical performance. Um, if you take a look at the study in more detail, which will be in the show notes, it's basically a chart showing um, different things and how... Uh, how much placebo takes effect. So on this chart, steroid use was fucking really high compared to everything else. So that was the one that was affected the most with the placebo effects, telling people that they're having a steroid when it wasn't, that had the most effect. Uh, down the bottom was things like uh, supplements and Cranberry nutrition. Cranberry juice. Um, I mean, yeah, so that would be down the bottom, but telling people what sounds a steroid seems to have the biggest impact according to this um, systematic review. So basically what we're saying there is if you are a coach and you want to legally skyrocket your athlete's performance, um, just just tell them just tell them you give them steroids, but don't actually give them steroids. And uh, the likelihood is they'll probably perform better. So, um, yeah. I mean, anecdotally, um, and I do stress that this is anecdotally, but I have noticed, like, um, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of pre-workouts are underdosed, yeah, of course yeah. so. Oh, God, yeah. And then when people do take pre-workouts, obviously not everyone, but the people that I've witnessed, they tend to do just something like one scoop. And there's even some pre-workouts that are so underdosed that even if they take two scoops, it's still like nowhere near an effective dose. But you get that placebo effect, don't you, of mm -hmm. I'm taking something. And also there's yeah. a picture of a scary clown on the tub, you know. The, the, the tub says atomic bomb pre-workout. You're like, yeah. fuck me, here we go. You and know, you I'm find gonna... out it's 150 milligrams of caffeine. <laughs> you know it's the same for energy drinks as well I like it. we were talking about energy drinks before the podcast yeah um, I, I like an energy drink um, when I first used to take do you know what this might be a I wouldn't say it's necessarily a nocebo but it's how I became aware of a placebo or that I was taking a placebo well not that I was taking a placebo because it was caffeine but you know I was placebo myself at the same time it's kind of like a placebo-ception here but I used to take uh, cans of Monster Ultra which I think in the UK is like 150 to 180 yeah, milligrams of caffeine. Yeah. And when I used to take those, I used to think, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm ready now. I can feel it. I can feel my heart going. I feel ready for the gym. And as I started to learn more about caffeine, I realized how much caffeine I should be taking for performance benefits, which is the 500 milligram range from me personally. And then I realized, shit, my monsters, I'd need to have like three monsters yeah. for that to happen. And um, suddenly, even though I was still drinking Monster, it was almost like, I don't really feel the effects anymore. So I don't know if that's a nocebo because it wasn't really a negative reaction. But I didn't, it's, it, it felt like I became fully aware of the placebo. Well, it's I still not only drink that. Yeah. 
yeah, it's not only that. You've educated yourself and realised that you're, you're more like just wasting money, really. Because if it's not doing an effect, you're like, well, why why am I having it? It tastes and, nice, Andy. And it, yeah, oh yeah, 100%. I take it just because it fucking tastes nice. But you're, you're drinking this drink. And if you are, you your primary role, you were drinking it as like, yeah, I'm going to get caffeine in me. I'm going to get a buzz. But no, knowing full well in the back of your head, you're like, this does fuck all right now. It's kind of like just stop that and you're like mm, well why am i fucking drinking it then if your main purpose was you were drinking this energy drink to get energy to to get caffeinated in a way the way i'll describe it is that it's like going to a magic show and then looking behind the curtain and realizing that it's all false that's pretty much it isn't it it's bang nail on the head really isn't it we course, <laughs> not saying caffeine is false but the effect i was perceiving due to the low doses is probably m- mostly placebo yeah. Well, a lot of these products are marketed well, which is the curtain. And then you look behind the marketing and the branding and you realise actually it's not kind of as good as it's saying it is, which is which is not a lot yeah. the same for a lot of products. I'll tell you what, there's an interesting little story about that. Um, I think this was actually in the US, but so you know, like a tomato ketchup, Heinz tomato ketchup, it's always been red for us. It's always been red because it's tomato, obviously. Uh, but they actually did something in America where they, they brought out like a limited edition of it and it was like a different colour. It was either green or purple. Green, it was an unappealing green, colour. I think. But the, the the ingredient was absolutely the the same, apart from like the food colouring. So technically, it should have tasted the same as well. But the children that were eating it said that it tasted horrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's kind of yeah. it shows you like how your your perceptions can be changed on your surroundings and your beliefs, including like visual aspects as well. This is the same with food. I mean, this is completely off topic, but it's the same. It's kind of well, not off topic at all, but it's. It, Different, different lines up but it's, you said about food and taste it's the same with a lot of stuff so for example if you get a um like obviously plant-based food for example that's a big one at the moment like that's obviously quite a lot of society now if you if you were to give someone uh, a pasta and you were to put plant-based chicken in it like certain ones nine times out of ten someone probably wouldn't even question it if you said this is a chicken pasta with like sauce or something they would just eat it but the moment you say to them oh that's actually vegan chicken or if you say the word vegan especially chicken they go oh no 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 i don't like that oh, because automatically they associate vegan with yeah that belief that it's just so it's so wrong cardboard like, oh, no, that's not right yeah exactly so it's, it, i've actually seen that firsthand and it's like mm, okay that kind of highlights yeah i mean i know it's not strictly vegan we've spoken about it on the vegan podcast but um when i have had plant-based alternatives such as corn chicken nuggets and even like corn swedish meatballs yeah legitimately it does it does taste like what it's supposed to taste like um but yeah if someone if i was to give that to someone and say oh this is a this is basically a plant-based version of it for some people who have that perception that belief that oh it's gonna taste disgusting because that's what society is you know promoted then yeah chances are that they they're probably not gonna enjoy it and it's probably going to perceive the taste different as well. It's crazy, isn't it, how much we don't realise how much placebo and nocebo takes effect in our lives. Like It's actually all around. It probably happens every single day without us even knowing yeah. because of societal norms. Um, I would actually argue and say that no matter what, we've probably all been nocebo'd in our lives. And chances are, one way or another, um, I mean, not me, because obviously I'm immune to it. You know, I'm a pain science paladin. But, you know, most of our most of our listeners are probably being nocebo'd without realising it currently yeah yeah but don't worry we're here to initiate you well you think about every time you go in the gym you're picking up a new weight a heavier weight like you're looking for a pb in that nine times out of ten most people are gonna like potentially no themselves going up to that weight yes yourself yeah like 
you might get it, you might, but you've never done it before. So you're already doubting, you're already going down that sort of like, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. And when you cream in, you're like, well, I knew it wasn't going to happen. So you've already set yeah. that, that so, pattern. That there's so of, many examples, isn't there, that we can go for. I mean, we could be here all day just give an example. Another one I was thinking of was like, if you look at uh, mainstream media or movies, who's always a bad guy in these like American Hollywood films? Russia. They're always a bad guy. I thought you were saying a British. We make much no, no, better no. British baddie. No. No, I said it's always it's always like the Russians, isn't it? Like the Soviets are like the, the evil. They're doing like an evil plan. So automatically, everyone assumes that they're like they're the evil people. That act, like, I mean, that, that they, that they, if you say to them why do you think they're evil, they go, "Oh, they just are, aren't they? They just they just are. They just are." Without actually like. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know? Do you know? I have to say this is this is kind of one thing that I do like about CrossFit because it is a very it is a very positive. It is a very big on it back in uh, like the yeah, placebo yeah. of like you can do it you will do it we'll get there we'll do it come on let's go and and it doesn't matter if you you have you haven't got it they're going to believe in you they're going to push you and they're, they're pushing these placebos onto you and and you do get involved you do get behind get that you're motivation like, yeah, I do yeah i am this yeah, is great right. that psychological edge we spoke about before haven't we that it's one big tribe and that you can spur each other on just for sheer motivation um mm. but then on the opposite spectrum of that you know people do notice about others off of crossfit so the bodybuilding community, the powerlifting community. Do you know what? I'm not going to say those communities, but obviously the ones that, you know, not. I don't want to tie them all with the same brush. But, you know, the thing about fitness is it's very, tri- it's very tribalistic. And it can be tribalistic in a bad way sometimes. So like all the meme pages that say, if all it has to be is a video, of, it ain't even got to be CrossFit related. It could be someone squatting and they accidentally, you know, act of God, the bar ends up crumbling them. And they fall in the squat rack, and you've got about five fucking dweebs in the comments going, <laughs> CrossFit, you know. And then you've got all these other people that have only just been exposed to CrossFit, and they're looking at about 10 comments saying, CrossFit, 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 straight away. So, CrossFit is bad for you? CrossFit yeah. wrecks your shoulders. You've got about, you've got like so many videos of kipping and stuff like that, which isn't inherently dangerous despite what people think. And people just there slagging off saying, this is dangerous, it's dangerous, it's dangerous. And yeah, you've got people that have just only just been exposed to it going, well, do you know what? I'm not going to do CrossFit because I have this expectation of it's going to be dangerous. And then a negative outcome of that is that you're possibly, you're possibly putting some someone off of a method that you never know. Like it, it, it might have been the one thing that they would have stuck to that they may have found sustainable. It's almost like saying, <laughs> you know, before we know, the, the person that might have found the cure for cancer, you know, may have been fucking mass executed in some kind of genocide. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, Th- I so we get those kind of like negative outcomes that way. You know, we're potentially putting someone off of something that they may not have even known they was capable of taking up. Does that make sense? Yeah, I got you. Let's quickly rewind a little bit back to that data. We kind of went off on a massive rabbit hole with that after looking at that data. I just want to quickly conclude some other key points from that systematic review. Um, it basically was highlighting that the if it was a banned substance, the effect seems to be larger. So things like steroids and EPO, 
well, that's what the study looked at. The effects on those were larger because they're banned substances where the stuff that wasn't banned seemed to be lower and that's what it was indicated. Obviously, it doesn't mean that's exactly the right, but that makes sense because if something's banned, you automatically think, oh, why is it Why is it banned? Is it, is it, does it do something really extreme? Is it yeah, like super powerful? Yeah. So much more. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So you get, you got that connotation of, oh, okay, this is going to be powerful. Well, that's, what if we have, like everyone turns around, like in my gym, it's like, oh, well, if it's on informed sport, you know it's weak yeah. as shit. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's what goes around everywhere. If it's on informed sports, you know they're really strict, so it's going to be fucking worth nothing anyway. So you already, again, you're putting that negative spin on it. But then it's like, if it's not an unfun sports, you know it's got something bad in it, you know you're going to get jacked. And you're like, oh, okay. And yeah. let's be honest, steroids is that that one, I don't want to say supplement. <laughs> steroids is that one thing you can take that pretty much everyone shares the same belief that it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? So straight away, the, you know, the, the, the mass amount of people kind of already believe, yes, yeah, steroids definitely work. Do you know what I mean? It's like they've just been given some random placebo. They've been given the daddy of all placebos. They also made an interesting point about caffeine, which is because obviously a couple of episodes we did talk about caffeine. And they said that when people take caffeine before a workout, the effect is going to be large, which is what we, we discussed. But they're saying around half of that is expectancy. Yeah. And the other half is actual physiological effect of caffeine. So they're saying, which is true because My you, monster. you automatically <laughs> assume caffeine, yeah, you assume caffeine is going to give you that boost. So you're going to get that placebo. But then again, caffeine actually does do something yeah. with the correct dose. So you're going to get both of those. That's why it's probably so powerful because you're going to get both of uh, them sort of teaming up it's, together. Uh, you- smashing them together aren't you yeah a bit of placebo a bit of of physiological effects you love it (laughs) I believe that if you drink this uh, this and the placebo what is that you've got Andy between your hands yeah Andy talk to our listeners mate what's that in your hand there mate Uh, so we've got a little bit of the uh, very super strong coffee um I don't drink it. I bought this because I'm a fucking really nice guy, and I want my uh, want my uh, my my team at work to have a try. Maximum charge cannonball coffee. Maximum char- yeah, so I want them to try the UK's strongest coffee. I want them to try. Uh, so I bought them a load, and I'm going to let them have a go tomorrow morning. Well, do you know what? And just by looking at the packaging, I can tell that it's probably the UK's number one leading strongest caffeinated beverage, at least in regards to coffee. Wow, it's, it's it's almost as if you're um, reading from a script there, Tom. It's incredible. Uh, do you know what? Um, I mean, I, I actually know people as well have a discount code for that if they do want to get Cannibal Coffee. Who could they be, Tom? Do they? What's that? What's that? What's that code? I think I've heard this is, before. Is it Primal Ten? Numericals. Prim- I believe so. Primal. T- uh, you know what? I think that's actually in the show notes. If I if I can if I can go into yeah? the future a little bit, I'm sure someone's wrote that in the show notes for how you can get hold of that super like strong that. coffee. Which so again, <laughs> Primal Ten. Primal Are we Ten. All in agreement. Agreement. I think, I think primal or the 10. UK's number one most caffeinated coffee, Cannonball Coffee. I hope you're fucking listening, Duncan. We are we're sucking the dick there out is, of this. I hope you're is, fucking listening. There is absolutely I mean, this is just this is just seamless like off the wall talking. There's no way this is a planned advertisement. It's not possible. Oh, hang on a minute. Let me just quickly know about the listeners. Um only cannibal coffee works. All other caffeinated beverages are just placebo. You're wasting your money. <laughs> Disclaimer, that's um, not true. Wow. Other coffee um can uh, make you weak. But not cannonball coffee. <laughs> Fuck's sake. But just to clarify, there is actually a physiological benefit to coffee. But at the same time, studies do suggest that a lot of the benefits can also be down to placebo. And this kind of goes hand in hand with what I was saying about um, when I used to take one can of Monster Energy. I was actually getting that placebo effect. But technically, I was only getting a very light, probably ineffective dose of caffeine. 
But obviously, when I did start upping my caffeine intake, yeah, I was probably still getting that placebo. But Jesus Christ, if you if you listen to our episode um, on coffee, I, I definitely felt it when I upped the dose. Well, so in this paper as well, they looked at overt placebos. So basically, they found that overt placebos did not affect performance. And an overt placebo is basically one that someone knows they're getting. So basically, if someone says to you, take this pill to beat your 5K time, by the way, it does nothing then that's an overt placebo because they're telling you that something's going to do something. They're telling you here, take this to improve your time, but actually it does nothing. So they're telling you it's not going to do anything, but they've sort of snuck in that it's meant to do something, if you get what I mean. So they're basically telling you it's a placebo. Yeah, that's what it is. That actually did surprise me um, because I just I would assume that once you became kind of aware that you was basically just taking a placebo, then there and then it would just, the perceived effect would stop. Would that be the way that you potentially the way that you 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 deliver that sentence? Yeah, of course it you would know be. What I mean? Yeah, of course. Oh, it, yeah, because you'll be like, oh, I've got the, I've I've got this tablet. It, it's it's going to beat you five k time, and then you well, it doesn't do fuck all to you. You're like, oh, all right then. But what you're saying is quite important, Andy, because you're saying the, the wording. So it actually also depends on the content. So if you, in terms of performance, there's not been much data to say it'll affect the form performance. However, when looked at um, subjective outcomes such as um, pain or nausea, basically that sort of stuff, it was actually found to have uh, an improvement. So if you say to someone, look, take this, it doesn't actually do anything, but it, you know, it's for your headache, whatever. If, if someone said they're not, if someone's for example, let's, let's rewind. If someone says to you, I've got a headache and say, I'll take this pill. It doesn't actually do anything, but just take this pill. That that was actually proven to actually have a, a bit of a benefit, which is quite quite strange. Those are a different meta analysis. This is a different paper, which I'll also have in the show notes. Do you know what I have actually got? This might even be the same thing I'm looking at here, Bill. But there was actually a paper um, where basically there was a placebo group and a non-placebo group for pain medication for migraines. So this might be the same kind of paper you're looking at here. But basically what happened, there was obviously, yeah, a placebo group, as I mentioned, but then there was also a group that did receive pain medication for their migraine. Um, this must, I don't know if this is like an American drug because I've never heard of it before, but it's called Maxalt, um, 10 milligrams of, and I cannot pronounce this, Rizatriptan. Basically, it was something that stops migraines or at least reduces the effects of it. But what they did find was that the placebo group, up to 50% reported that their migraine was reduced. So, you know, even things like, yeah, pain medication, you can get placebos in pain medication as well. It seems to be the most effective way to it. I mean, if I just quickly conclude that meta-analysis, the conclusion was quite important. I thought it was worth reading out. So they basically said that open-label placebos appear to have a positive clinical effect compared to no treatment. Caution is warranted when interpreting these results due to the limited number of trials identified, lack of blinding, and the fact that the positive messages were included alongside open-label placebos. So that talks about what you said, Andy, about language. So they actually had uh, positive messages along with these open-label placebos. Uh, larger definitive trials are now warranted to explore the potential patient benefit of open-label placebos to investigate the relative contributions of positive suggestions and ethical implications yeah i mean in that paper i was just reading it pretty much says the same thing which it says that even the people that knew that it was a placebo they still reported positive effects from it so yeah that was uh that was something that yeah definitely surprised me so i so i look at like neurofen stuff like that do you know i think that we're too we're we're too far ahead in the fact that you i don't think that you could take enough neurofen stuff like that to can cream you in um i wouldn't try it and then when when and now I wouldn't try it because uh, that'd be a waste of money and a waste of time. But but 
in this sense of, you know, they're like, don't take too many, it'll do all this. And I think you already get this fix of like, well, if it's a strong one, they say, be careful, it's strong. You're like, oh, it's strong, it's going to do it. And you knock back two and... Yeah, I don't even think there's anything in it in a headache. Uh, to, be fair, to be fair, Randy, that's, you mentioned Neurofem, which is really good because they're like prime examples of uh, placebo marketing because they've actually found in some cases that certain Neurofem tablets are exactly the same as a supermarket brand. But because it says in the packaging, super fast acting, powerful Neurofem, and it costs like three times the price, you're automatically having that that buyer's bias. Yeah. We're gonna, we'll talk probably more about that placebo of, okay, it's telling me it's going to be super fast acting. I'm paying more for it, so it must be better. When actually, if you look at the ingredients... It's the same as the 10p ones from from tesco for example so it's that's that's another example which is We'll move on to uh, another pretty important topic as well, which is quite interesting. I just sort of came across this accidentally, and this was an interesting paper on DNA. So we obviously are fully aware there's you know there's various DNA companies out there um, that do promise testing. Um, and in this DNA paper, there was two separate experiments. Researchers told people they either had the good or bad version of a gene that affects aerobic exercise. Um or the good or bad version of a gene that affects appetite and satiety, which is like your hunger levels. Um, so basically, genetics are, of course, important. Um, you know, they do play a big impact on, you know, certain things that some people will be genetically gifted in sprinting, for example. Um, however, in regards to the consumer genetic tests that we see out there at the moment, they don't really tell you too much about your athletic tendencies, um, but it does perhaps pose a um, non-negligible risk to do some harm if you find out you don't have a certain gene. So... What they were saying on this paper was that they were telling people that your gene isn't suited to aerobic exercise and it was causing harm because they didn't want to then conduct or they 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 didn't feel like they had the potential to. But the ones they told they were uh, good for their genes were good for aerobic exercise. It didn't really seem to do much, and it, the, the the genes actually tested didn't seem to um, warrant it. So it didn't really do anything. But on the other hand, it had the potential to cause harm. If that makes sense. Yeah. So basically, when I talk about barriers to exercise. That is an example because you're putting these negative expectations in someone's head by saying, oh, look, this DNA test come back and says that you're going to be shit at powerlifting. You know, yeah. you're you're potentially creating a barrier to an activity someone wants to enjoy. What What's more of the bigger barrier than saying you are not genetically uh, good yeah. at something? There's no there's no way coming back from that. I think if someone was to you're say you're not good like, enough, you're going to be fucking turbo. Your your genetics say that you're turbo. Precisely you're just going to like give up there and then, aren't you? It was going to say like exactly what Andy says. It's like you're giving up before you've even been given a chance. Straight away before you've even given something a chance, you've been told what's the fucking point, and it's devastating. And genetically, and this is um this is really important because um. Like myself and Andy of the uh, the Primal brand, we're actually talking with a leading European DNA company at the moment, and I've actually sent some information over regarding this paper to see if they te- because it's actually to do with the tests they do. So I wanted to see if they actually do- and I Tom to look at Tom's face. So they actually do the tests um, that test for these, but I want to see if they test um, exactly what this paper saying they don't test. So I've actually sent some information regarding that. However, What's important with these DNA tests is the ones we're speaking to, for example, they deal with, um, they give out consultations with their tests. And I feel like if you had people on the other end of the phone who actually knew what they were talking about, they would be able to say to these people, look, you've taken a test which is saying you're genetically um, not suited for aerobic exercise. However, if you were, um, if you knew this information that we know now, you could potentially say to them, look, 
the data doesn't really support saying that your aerobic yeah. exercise is going to be hindered. You could actually still tackle aerobic exercise no problem at all. So I think it's really important that while the genetics do play an important role and DNA testing can have a, a benefit, it's important that you... Um, you discuss these results with someone who knows what to talk about because I feel like if you just got these results, didn't talk to anyone, and you saw you are not genetically suited to any form of physical activity, <laughs> you are potentially going to become a, a couch potato. Whereas if someone says to you, look, what it's kind of saying is that these areas, you know, maybe the potential is a bit lower. However, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not concrete and you could actually excel if you wanted to. So that's, uh, I just want, I want to clear that up. When we get more information from that, I'll uh, let you know. But, um, I'd like to quickly touch on that because this is something that over the past, from what I've seen uh, for the past five years, I have noticed these DNA companies kind of popping up and they say things where, oh, if you get our DNA test, we can tell you what what you're going to be good at, what you're not going to be good at, what, yeah. what you're basically made for. And we're, yeah, we're going to tell you how to train and become the best you sort of thing. But not, yeah. not just in regards to performance and training, but also your nutritional needs as well. And I'm a bit sceptical about all of this because I don't know if there's, there's, as far as I've seen, there's not that much evidence on it. And I I could be wrong. And if anyone wants to send it to me, go for it. But from what I have seen on it, I mean, there was this one article I read not so long ago where one lady took three different tests from three different companies and they all came back with different results. Yeah. So we don't even know if the results are accurate or the DNA testing is accurate in the first place. I mean, we have got a recent paper that shows that you know, in regards to gene variability, in regards to are you sensitive or insensitive to caffeine, there's actually evidence to kind of show that, you know, your genes may not play a big part on that in general. But at the same time, we've already spoken about it in the sense that how you're getting something like a DNA test might put you off of certain exercise methods or certain activities, certain sports, etc. But also nutritionally, you might start taking advice on something that is not exactly accurate, which may actually, ironically, it might even lead to deficiencies. Or you may be getting too much of a dosage because you can, I don't want to say overdose, but you can get too much certain vitamins, etc. Do you see what I kind of mean? So you're basically, you're, you're basing your lifestyle and your nutritional habits off of something that may not even be accurate. And at worst, you can actually be creating barriers to nutritional habits uh, sorry, nutritional needs and uh, exercise. So for me, it's a it's a grey area. Once again, like CBD, it seems like the industry has jumped on something that is still in its infancy. Yeah, I get I get what you mean. I totally. I mean this. I mean that paper obviously highlighted that you know genetics are important, but these um, we need to be careful with these consumer genetic tests simply because some of the areas are not concrete enough scientifically, but then they have that potential to cause harm, and you obviously want to mitigate the causation of harm. But as I said before, if you are going to get one of these tests, I'd probably recommend speaking to someone about it and not just going in, not just going in like full send and going, okay, it says this. This is definitely right. Speak to someone for us, like us, for example, and we could say, "Look, we just give you the basically we just tell you the right information." Yeah. So I I feel on the other end of the scale of this, um, I'm actually a fan of it. I like the fact that this potentially could help you. Um, and I know there are a lot of negatives, and I think it's kind of like nutrition that sort of <laughs> stuff. It's it's one of these things. It's a very test and adjust. It's like I, ha- I fucking hate people that just say, follow my nutrition plan. I'll square you away. It's my biggest fucking bugbearer in the world at the moment. Here's his plan. I'll get you fit. It's fucking bollocks. Uh, anyone that just fucking hands you a plan and says, this will sort you out, punch him in the face and walk away. But um, 
like you know that I like all these sort of fucking gadgety, these sort of little bits and bobs. Um, I'm open to it, but I'm not, in a sense, I'm not going to like hold it concrete. Like, do you know what I mean? If someone gave me an analysis of my system and said, you can fucking well in this, know in this, don't bother with this, do this, this will make you amazing. I'd be willing to try and I'd be willing to look into it and I, w- I, w- I would tick it off if it does help. I'd tick. And if if I stopped doing something that made me bad, I'd be like, do you know what? Actually, that, that's bullshit. And line it through. You know, I'd be quite open to the interpretation of something that may help me. Yeah. Not, yeah. but like, not hold back on it. You know, I wouldn't be like, oh, I took this test. It said I shouldn't go out for runs anymore. Well, actually, I know I'm okay at running. I enjoy running. So I'm going to carry on doing running. Mm-hmm. You know, I would, I, ju- I just wouldn't fully involve myself in it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's important you choose the right test. There's a lot of companies out there. And I've actually seen charts of comparisons between t- some companies. They test very, very little. However, they're backed by a big market, whereas some companies test a fucking hell of a lot. And they're the ones you probably want to be looking for. Um, but yeah, I think we've... Um, yeah, so that, that was the paper on DNA, which I thought was quite interesting. It sort of just popped up as I was looking at other stuff. Um, I want to move on to the next bit, which is something we've spoke about quite a lot in re- previous episodes, which is self-placebo. So when, Andy, you often talk about the ritual, Ooh. and I think this is quite an important, oh, f- important thing fucking, to really this, Yeah, this to. is, in my eyes, this is the biggest the biggest one that you're ever going to have. You know, it's it's your thing that gets you in and out of the gym. So so mine starts from the, more, the, the moment I get up, you know, and... And it, and it starts with, like, I'll go to work at half five in the morning. I won't see my missus and that. But if I go dur- training during the day and I pop out, I'm like, I've got to say I love you to everyone. I've got to get a kiss off everyone. And I've got to leave in a good state of mind. Yeah. Because if me and missus have a bit of a blow, that's it. It's I'm, shit, I'm not it? focusing about training. Uh, I'm a little bit off key. I haven't got that feeling. I'm not into it as much. And it will just spiral out of control and I get to the gym and then I'll, I'll look in and there might be just too many people in there for my liking for that day. That There might be just an average amount of people, but I'm already spiraling down my, my non-ritual thing. So even my wife is on it now. She knows like, yeah, happy days, give you a kiss, happy days, love you, bye, have a good training session. And I'm fucking hopping and skipping, I'm going. And then I'm going to get in there. I'm going to get the bar I always like and I'm going to fucking work. I'm going to say hello to everybody. You know, I'm going to spend time warming up. These... And I'm going to do the same thing that makes me feel good. And then I'm going to start slinging tin. It may not be a massive amount of tin. It's probably like 12-year-old girl amount of tin. But I'm happy in that fucking place. All right? So fucking back off, all of you. It's mate. It's, it's so. That's actually. It's so mad how much of an impact it has. For for example, I don't like to rely too much on things like pre-workout, lifting shoes, lifting belt. I like to do some workouts where I think you know I probably should wear a belt, but I'm not going to because I don't want to rely on these devices and supplements. That if what one day, if I example, don't have it, yeah, if I don't have it, am I then fucked? Because I'm so because I've told myself I need to have this pre-workout. I need to have these trainers. I need to wear this belt to do this one RM clean. But if I haven't got any of those, am I now? Am I now not capable? Of course, I'm capable, but I'm now. Tr- convincing myself I'm not capable of doing it. This is really interesting because I know it's something we've actually mentioned before, isn't it? But it's where placebo and nocebo can kind of converge on each other. Yeah, yeah. Hybrid. So you you get that, you have some form of placebo where you think I'm going to have a positive outcome because I've got a positive, positive expectation here. But what if that placebo suddenly disappears? Shit, there goes my positive expectation. So it's now become a negative expectation. And this is another reason why, once again, going back to people like Squat You and these these certain accounts that say, oh, if you're going to squat or deadlift, you know, you need to do these very, um, 
You need to do this 20-minute warm-up on a foam roller. You have to do bird dogs. Don't forget your fucking bird dogs. You know, don't forget your yeah. fucking cat cows. Oh, glute bridges. Glute bridges. Get glute bridges in. Jesus You need Christ. at least a 1,000. Yeah. Oh, Andy, don't yeah, forget just... the glute bands. We've got to do our banded yeah. pull-aparts and Jesus Christ. And by the time this has happened, you've used up your holiday time. But, you know, <laughs> but people put out this message that if you don't do this stuff, you're going to have either one, suboptimal performance, or two, you're going to injure yourself. And that's just simply not the case. Now, don't straw man me. Am I saying don't warm up? No. But you're probably most better off doing a specific warm up that's more specific to the exercise, has a better crossover, and is more time efficient. Now, if you enjoy doing fucking tactical bird dogs and God knows what else. <laughs> tactical <you know>? bird dogs. <laughs> Let's not go down that road. I've made oh. enough enemies, burned enough bridges. That's, that's like a huge dig, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, mate. Fucking cha-ching. But yeah, back in. But yeah, like um, if people want to do those things, go for it. I'm happy to live and let live. But do not put this message behind that it's non-negotiable, that these things have to be done. Because some people don't have an hour and a half to train. They only have an hour. Some people may not have an hour. Minutes, they some, have 40 minutes. Some, some people do it through their lunchtime, mate. And that's getting exactly. to the gym, getting in and getting back out again. Yeah. And God forbid, if you want to go into the gym and sling some tin and you think, well, Jesus, I've only got half an hour. That's that's going to be my warm-up time with my my my, uh, my tactical fucking you know bird dogs, you know. So shit, my lion side planks. What am I going to do? Well, I'm just going to have to. I really want session. to see a picture of this, Tom. You need to get on clip art, mate, and make a tactical bird dog. Get like a, get some sort of bird dog, like a half bird, half dog. Get get, get some body armor. <laughs> get, get get him a helmet. That's get him a rifle. That's definitely happening. Yeah. Put him in a shell scrape and then do it. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> god, yeah. Yeah, no basher either. This is just pure raw, you know. Yeah, stagging on raw. Uh, yeah, yeah. But oh, that's yeah, stagging on. Uh, if you're gonna stag on, bird dog it because apparently that's really tactical. Um, all the cool kids are doing it now. But yeah, um, basically, if you if if you plan on having a session, but you can't fit all this suboptimal, I don't want to say useless, but really like overhyped shit into your training session and you might think well I'm going to have to chill off the whole thing because I don't want to get injured I can't just go straight into squats that would be insane I've got to do my fucking bird dogs sorry my tactical bird dogs do you know with it, like the amount of shit that's on the internet now I like I was I was looking at a few exercises and I was going oh okay I, I can understand that a little bit of shoulder work I might put that in and then I was sort of scrolling through and I was like oh, I'll put that in I look at that. I look at that. I look at that. Next thing I know, I've I've got a genuine set, another session about an hour long, <laughs> yeah. just fucking doing these random movements, yeah. and I'm like, Do you yeah. know what? What's the fucking point? I spend so long looking after myself, like doing all these fucking rehabby exercises. I'm never actually going to train. Wait, that's why I chinned off GoWad because. It was. I found myself thinking I have to do GoWad, but then I was. But then I was like, well, if I don't do GoWad, am I going to have to do my next session? Of course, I'm going to have to do my session. But because I was have, I was paying paying for this app that was telling me do this before your wad, do this before your. I was like, okay, I've got to do it when I don't have to because it was not even relevant. <laughs> I think I might have actually mentioned it at the time that actually GoWad can be quite no because it can make you a bit hyper hyper aware of things that you may not have even noticed yeah. in the first place. Mate, such as it told me on the app for me. When I remember we spoke way back when we were talking about fitness apps. It told me my ankle mobility was fucking like uh, not my ankle mobility. So it was telling me my overhead position was really really bad. But it wasn't that bad. I could still I could still adopt a deep overhead squat position. But because the app was telling me my overhead was really bad, it gives I you a negative expectation. Yeah. I spent more time warming it up 
I was warming my overhead up loads more because I thought, oh, I need to work on this more because this app's telling me. Allow me to put on my glasses of smugness. Oh, they're back. The glasses are back. Mm. Oh, this spine is out of alignment. Mm. Oh, actually, oh, sniffing that spine. I'm not gonna, I should what? sniff this because I ordered it from Wish. <laughs> Covered in yeah, COVID. Yeah, I wouldn't. That, yeah. I feel like that's where COVID come from, that spine. But you're no you're no <laughs> me right now. And this is no joke, Andy. Right. You know. I've literally just cancelled my go one. If I, we've no guys, we've just mid podcast and he's now cancelled. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Do you know what? You're right. I don't I don't care <laughs> yeah. enough. It's seven quid a month. I don't need to be spending. Yeah, this this is boring. great. Like an on-live fucking cancellation. This is great. Yeah, cancellation of a placebo app. Did we, this is like a live yeah. red pilling. Yeah. <laughs> right, you've, um, got, is, yeah. you've got GoWad and you want to cancel it. Fucking cancel it, it off. Send it in. Tell us Tell us you've done it. Tag us, tag it us in, in and your then, posts. And then put in, when, when they say, what's the reason why, just put hashtag primal 10. <laughs> it's not even relevant as coffee that's a coffee um, discount code no, I don't give a fuck I thought you were going to say hashtag hashtag podcast hashtag chat shit get fit no hashtag I tell you what guys <laughs> yeah. I just want to quickly go back five steps and say in regards to some of those exercise and warm ups that I mentioned there's nothing inherently wrong with them you know they can have their uses but some of the applications I see with them are just really 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 like stupid or they're really overrated. Um, usually, like especially in, in regards to the big McGill Big Three, I'm very critical to the McGill Big Three, but it does have its it does have its uses, especially in a rehab setting where you're trying to expose someone to something very low effort and low load. But when you're trying to convert that to a hundred or a fucking 150 kg squat, it's just it's just nonsensical. But now we're going to go six steps back. So. What we were saying about the rituals, uh, yeah, Andy, you talk about rituals all the time, especially in regards to how we kind of hype ourselves up psychologically. I mean, Stronger by Science did kind of drop a study on this the other day, which was, uh, what a cool name, Slim Arnie. Slim Shady et al, 2017. And it was basically Mental Training Increases Strength Gains was the title of that. And they had two groups of people. And they was, uh, yeah just doing their, their physical training. And what they actually found was in the group that, they spend 80 seconds of motivational self-talk between sets and their performance was like, what's this, like 10% more than the other group in some cases. It's like a hell of a lot more. Just 80 seconds of motivational self-talk between sets. I mean, I'm curious to know what they were saying to themselves between sets. It's crazy, isn't it? You know that highlights, mate? That just shows you that the, the power of the mind because what that words are doing, they're having a psychological effect, but they're not yeah. having a physiological effect. By you saying, crazy, by someone saying to you, you will lift this weight, it's not making you physiologically uh, be- better, but psychologically, it's having a huge impact. That's the it? point, isn't it's, it? it? It's when the... Uh, so two two things you know when you like someone's like fucking trying to start a stand up out of a clean and you're just screaming up at someone everyone's like why is he doing that it doesn't do anything no so because obviously you're fucking fuck you're, you're getting on them you're gearing them up and you're going ah yeah do you know what I mean and you, you're getting in with them and you're screaming with them and they're like yeah you are, people are feeling what I'm feeling let's go and, you, and you're pushing up you're driving up yeah I, I, I back it up like America does this like American powerlifting they do this they do this amazing like, and some of these lifters are, are ridiculous, like 300 fucking 300 plus kilo fucking deadlift. It's mental, some of these people. And they're like little people as well. And and to see them that they walk up, they sort of like put a foot out because, you know, they're going sumo. 
And then it's like their other foot and they're fucking patting their chalk and they'll do and you and you watch them. Weightlifters do it. They'll walk onto the stage. Tia, like you watch Tia Claire Toomey do it. She'll stamp the right foot twice before she walks onto a platform. And then she'll walk on. It is it is a thing to say that I'm ready, I'm good, I'm good to go, let's get on it. You Andy, know? And what, what what do you reckon would happen if she accidentally stood, stood, stood uh, stamped her feet three times? Do you reckon she'd have to fucking sack the event? I think she'd be like I think she'd probably plough in, but she's got it dialed down. I don't think she would. She'd have to walk out of the room and come back in and then do yeah, it Yeah, come back in. She'd, oh, just, sorry, no, guys. Like, she'd, walk, <laughs> she'd walk over the platform, walk up the stairs, walk around the thing and pretend like she never did it. This That's is like some form do. of OCD, like where you've got to yeah, turn the yeah. light switch on yeah, about 100%. 17 times. Otherwise, I'm bad. Or you can do a deadlift. <laughs> yeah. But again, and then, but then you look at it, it has the same effect, doesn't it? What happens if you fuck up that ritual? Is, is the lift fucked? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, possibly. It's dangerous. It's, a, it's, it's such a mad fucking thing, isn't it? It just blows your mind a little bit how powerful it is. Yeah, the power of psychology is is insane. Like this is once again, this is the problem when people only look at things through a biomechanical lens. You know, once again, going back to the biopsychosocial model, we're now talking about the psychological lens. That impact of having these rituals that may not have like a physio- physiological thing happening at the time, but because you're getting that psychological boost which increases performance, which then actually leads to a physiological improvement. So it's all kind of interlinked. I mean, even music. I posted a study the other day that showed that people were able to grind out more reps just by listening to their preferred music compared to non-preferred. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we've, we've, we've all been there. I mean, we all need... I mean, <laughs> Have you ever tried lifting to just commercial gym music? It's fucking oh. awful. So my whole squad, my squadron actually kicked off yesterday or today. Is it morning? Kicked off. Said they couldn't perform as well without uh, Luke Combs country music kicking off in the background. <laughs> they said they didn't get enough burpees out in time because they weren't listening to country. We used to do a qualifier event for a um, for a fitness competition on our on our unit, and I basically ran it to keep it neutral. I did it in silence, so everyone who turned up had to do this workout, <laughs> a hacking workout in silence, mate. So everyone had to hear their own oh. breathing. I was loving it because I was just watching people hang out their ass, but it was uh, yeah. it was interesting because I wanted to see how people performed without any without like the, the benefit of music. Because if you if they if they're going to compete on behalf of the regiment, I'd, if they if there's no music, they, they can't rely on the big tune. They can't rely on a big banger yeah. dropping like <laughs> dropping in the middle of the workout. They've got to get go dig deep in the head and think right I want to do this because I want to do this not because Luke Combs is singing me a, a fucking melody you know it's a, yeah that's actually I, awful this this you know this, <laughs> Tom this, this is perfect this is perfect this is what I love I love this like the mental game of, of like working out and like, I did a, I did a workout for my squadron where it was genuinely it was you were just doing burpees for 30 minutes and then you were in a partner workout one would run like 600 metres and you were just burpeeing over a, 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 a fucking log until that time, and, I, and they were like, "What else were we doing?" I was like, "Nothing." What? And you could see the snap, yeah, and you could see, but you could see the snapness. I weren't asking yeah. people to go full send. You know, the typical yeah. army, let's go 150 miles an hour for the whole duration because it's impossible. But the army say, just do it anyway. I was like, "Look, I'm just looking for consistency." I and I and I was talking to people, and I was doing little snippets, and I was filming guys, and then going over to them, and I was like, "You you did three and I was like, you weren't even tired. You did three and you sort of just sort of fucking throw your head about, rolled your shoulders. And they were like, yeah, it's because I was fucking snapped. And it's it's mental. It's all mental. mental. Yeah. Or everything that we're doing here is mental. This Like the placebo effect is is massive, men- like a massive mental game. And people underestimate it. Yeah. And, and underutilize. Them, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fucking mental. I mean, sometimes like even just like changing your environment, going to... Yeah. 
Do you know what I get? This is going to sound really stupid, but in my in the gym that I work at, there are well, there's lo- there's like four different squat racks, I think, but there's like three which are the proper Olympic like squat racks, the ones that are nailed down to the floor. And there's a very specific one I like to use. It's on the very far left in the corner. And I find that if I go in the middle or to the right, it just feels off to me. Yeah. I haven't really noticed if it's affecting my performance, but I'm very aware that I'm not in my usual place. And that does yeah. feel weird to me. So I was talking a very long time about this. And they, they talk about, I need to dig it out, what we were talking about. It's basically about um, surroundings yeah. and how your body adapts to different around, surroundings. So he was saying that he read a study and he was looking at, so in his gym, what he would do is every three months, he would rip everything out and he would completely... Uh, alternate and change everything put it in different places puts different stuff everywhere else and what that would do is with your mind muscle memory that sort of stuff and your mind mapping it would change the way that you would think because if you if everything's the same consistently you get into a uh, a rhythm of just like security rhythm where you don't actually have to think you just know where things are and yeah. everything's okay and you're not responsive as much and your mind just doesn't have to be as active but if you turn around and make people i don't know deadlift 90 degrees from where they're usually deadlift. Yeah. People are a bit spazzed out by it. They're more stimulated. They're more active and they're more like on it because, well, I've not normally done this. I don't normally do this here. And and it was, it was talking about that. It's, it's fucking, it's bizarre, but I, I kind of understood where he was going with it. I probably haven't explained awesome. it well, but. I mean, we're going to have loads, we're going to have loads of content in the uh, show notes, which uh, you could dive into if you want to really have a look into it. Cause it's, uh, there's, there's a lot out there really. I mean, people know it exists but it's important it's, it's interesting to see these mass studies that are done on it and to actually just basically highlight how how powerful it is really i mean fuck me i'm dreading having to send you all these fucking citations mate already i'll send you a text <laughs> about two, the, two o'clock in the morning mate um no i think we're on 7 a.m now it's only because you don't you don't you just get paid to not be at work bill okay show off we get it you <laughs> mate, work i was in work from i was in work from monday till today all right it's I'm back in Tuesday, oh. right? So it's a hard, it's a hard life, right? Since it's, it is a really hard. Since life. this podcast, you're just like the regimental oracle now. You're just in your yeah. office, and if someone needs something science explained to them, they just like rap on the door in like a certain combination, and you just and, build, and all the answers with. Have you listened to the podcast? Have you listened to episode, episode twenty? That's literally yeah. it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> all that you've got. Are you guys watching me? <laughs> <laughs> We've, this has been a lot a long episode, but I think it was it was deserved of one. We oh, when we we've spoke about placebo and nocebo a lot. So uh, has anyone got any further points really before we wrap up? Um, yeah, it wasn't a long episode. It's just your fucking internet creamed in, <laughs> and it just feels like a long episode. Well, my internet creamed in, right? Yeah, it did actually. You're you're the one that left the group first, did he not, Tom? You did, but Bill. then Tom did sort of pause in a weird sort of like uh, sort but of. But to fake. be fair, yeah. Bill, did you have any negative expectations about your internet before it before you came online? Well, no, I pay I pay a lot of money for it, Tom. So I expect it to fucking work. <laughs> was Was your modem out of uh, out of alignment? <laughs> I do feel like you clicked on, you clicked on and you were like, "You guys have got bad network." So you already kind of put that negative uh, spin on today. Yeah. It, like the, the chakras were out of, out of alignment, really, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, but yeah, look, um, it's it's because you've got three pictures up, not a shelf anymore. Yeah, change fucking change your <laughs> whole yeah. change your whole ritual, yeah. Mate. That that yeah, environment is a big part of it as well. 
I keep yeah. thinking he's in like a completely different room because of that. I'm so used to those three shelves and that one upside down book. Yeah, they had to go, mate. I had to, I had to change the decor. When I actually close my eyes, I can actually visualise the old room, Bill. That's how yeah, weird it is. you can, can't you? Go back to the old YouTube videos, mate. You'll see it. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> um, look, Placebo and Nosebo in particular has been a passion of mine for a while in regards to talking about them, that is. Not actually doing them. I don't like Nosebone people. But yeah, Nosebos in particular is something that a lot of people aren't aware of, but they are everywhere. They're in the YouTube channels you watch the Instagram personalities you follow. They're in the in, in the advice that the guys at the gym give you. Obviously, not all the time, but it probably has happened to you at one point or another and you probably haven't even noticed it. And it ha- chances are it's probably affected you in some way as well at the end of the day. But the, as I said, like, place- no, no sabos, sorry, not placebo. No sabos can have like a really massive negative effect. And I mean a massive negative effect I mean, I've kind of saved a lot of this stuff towards the end here because it a lot of this kind of puts a downer on on things in general. But it's this is why it's important you understand how important nosebos are. So I've got one study here, Gardner, twenty seventeen, and it was to do with physiotherapists of all people, how their beliefs and attitudes can influence their clinical practice. And this was a systemic review, and it showed that physios. So this is physiotherapists, the gold standard of when it comes to rehab, pain injury physios who gave nocebic advice was correlated with patients more likely to take sick leave return to work and resume normal activities so just by seeing a physiotherapist who uses certain language that's quite nocebic they can keep you off of work they can delay your return to work they can delay your resuming to normal everyday activities you know and a quote from the abstract here is that Quantitative studies show that a higher biomechanical orientation score indicating a belief that pain and disability result from a specific structural impairment and treatment is selected to address that impairment. And it was associated with all the things I just me- recently said. So yeah, that goes ahead with what I said earlier about people that are too focused on the biomechanical model and they don't understand that there's other things that can affect how we perceive pain and injury and I'll return to things like rehabilitation, work, etc., picking back up activities. Now, here's the thing as well. A lot of people assume that pain and injury is inherently caused by structural damage to tissue. So what I mean by that is if you're pain, in pain or you've injured yourself, then there has to be something physically wrong with you. Now, sure, that can happen. Of course it can. But at the same time, our perceptions, our beliefs, everything in that biopsychosocial model can affect how we feel in regards to pain and injury. And it can also affect our life in general, but in general, like putting us off of activity, etc. I mean, look, I've got stats here. So Statista, 2015, UK. And this was to do with barriers to exercise or what people perceive as barriers to exercise. 59% of people said that they know that they should exercise but they find it boring or hard work. This goes ahead with like what people want to do as an activity that they'll find sustainable. So it's absolutely fine to, to it's absolutely fine to find that a certain activity is boring to you. But then that person they might find that actually they might be able to do CrossFit for the rest of their life and enjoy it. But people have put them off of that. They've no supposed them. They've created that barrier to an exercise that could have kept them strong, resilient, and overall healthy. 
but some fuckers know Sabodan because they're on a meme page saying CrossFit will kill you. You know, we've got 47% of people pretty much said the same thing. I don't always enjoy exercising, but I make sure I do it for the health benefits. Once again, we might be putting people off of an exercise that they might actually enjoy. You know, you've got... I'm not going to bring up any more names because I think I've shit on enough people here tonight one way or another. <laughs> Actually, that's not true because there is one person I want to specifically mention in a bit. But, you know, I've seen people doing IGTV lives where they're saying... Who is it? Uh, it's definitely not James Smith. It's James Smith. You know, he's done videos <laughs> where he's slagging off people doing static bike. Oh, spin classes. Spin classes. What's the point of spin classes? Spin classes are shit. Well, here's the thing. Not everyone wants to be out going on a bike. A spin class provides a safe, warm place for people. It's in a group setting. It can provide motivation. Some people might find it cheaper to actually pay for the gym membership to go to spin classes than it actually is to afford a bike. They might not live in an environment where it's safe or even enjoyable to go for a bike ride. So by saying, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go. I wouldn't go in to go for a fucking bike ride in the centre of London. That's not a chance. Yeah. I wouldn't. I'd, I'd fucking hate that. Fuck that, yeah. mate. I've lived in Brixton. You wouldn't catch me with a bike. And if you did, it would only <laughs> last five minutes. You know? And these other little fucking rap mate doing cartel, exact same thing. Put up a video basically shitting on Hit. And if you guys saw my stories recently, you all saw how that fucking went down. Yeah. Hit is one of the most popular forms of exercise when it comes to home workouts. Of course it is. Short and effective. It's short, it's effective, and it's accessible to people. But you had Dickie in his comments saying, oh, it leads to injury. Does it? Oh, well, uh, I know at least three people who have been injured. I've seen some of the comments say, all right, fucking name, name three of them. Name two. Name one. You fucking can't because it's all conjecture, you know? The only reason why they're slagging it off is because Joe Wicks, their mortal enemy, <laughs> makes a living off of it. You know, the only study that's kind of linked to injury with HIT in general, as far as I'm aware, is one that the criteria for HIT was moves like fucking push-ups and squats and barbell movements. Literally exercises you can find in any fucking methodology anywhere. Yeah. So you're just shitting on an exercise that people could be doing for the rest of their life and enjoy it. It's creating barriers what I, do, what I don't see these sort of people, and I'm, I'm going to jump on this with you, is the fact that there's there's always going to be an element of risk. Yeah. With 100%. anything and everything. Like there is, there's there's no such thing as like a 100% safe, 100% safe exercise. Yeah. There's, there's fucking no such thing. So when people are like, oh, don't like that because it's dangerous. Don't like that because it's dangerous. It, it It's just more the fact that it just looks uncomfortable yeah. to your, like the way you perceive it. It looks... Do you know what I mean? Like when I first started CrossFit, I was like, how the fuck are these people doing this and this and this? And I learned over time. I looked terrible. I probably still do to some people look terrible when I move, but it's not going to make me, in, you know what I mean? It's like, there are ways to get injured. People hate what they don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. That. And, and, and they're jumping on this bandwagon of like, I can hate on this. I can create, a, uh, I can create a, a storm where I look amazing and I can I can put a platform out there to just hate on these. And why should we say if 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 Debbie doesn't like doing anything else but but with a two kilo and she likes to move around pretty fast in the living room punching out to the front, it might not be for me, it might not be for you, but it might it be works good for, for someone her. else. And exactly. It's, and it's getting and it's and it's getting people moving and, and that's what we're looking to do, you know? That the whole goal is there are plenty of ways to do it. To have someone bingo put a negative spin on any single person in here, automatic, you're a fucking knobhead and you shouldn't be listening to them. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I cannot agree with that anymore, mate. Um 
you know, exercise is not a one-way thing. There's many different routes you can use to take it. And what matters is, is that it's enjoyable for you. I mean, sure, for specific goals, some may be more effective or optimal, you know, than others. But sometimes what people need to understand is optimal isn't always what's going to give you the most muscle mass or the most powerful, uh, sorry, the most, most power or the... Or, or, or the most speed, sometimes optimal, optimal is what you're going to stick to sustainably for a long time. But I mean, you know, no suppose can take a fucking even darker route than this, lads. Um, I mean, I've got a paper here, Darlow 2013, and this this is titled The Enjoying Impact of What Clinicians, so once again, physiotherapists, chiropractors, even doctors, once again, the gold standard in the industry of health, what they say to people with low back pain. Um, admittedly, this is a more extreme example, but the reason why I'm bringing it up is just to showcase how bad things can get. So one lady commented in this study, basically, all I've kind of been told to do by physios is to work on my core. I've been tested by various different physios and Pilates, and I'm apparently ridiculously weak. I had an abortion because I didn't think I could have a baby. I didn't think I could handle it carrying it and having an extra weight on my stomach. This is how bad things could get just through the messaging and language that people use, you know? When, Fucking tragic, that. At the end of the saying, I'm not saying that, you know, strength doesn't matter. I'm not saying that posture doesn't matter. I'm not saying that your form doesn't matter or your technique or anything like that. I'm not saying that it doesn't matter at all, but what I'm saying is you've got to be careful with how you word things. And sometimes, sometimes they maybe don't matter as much as what you think, you know. Once again, quoting Canero 2020, muscle, you know, tissue damage is not always going to cause pain and pain is not always going to cause tissue damage, you know. Sorry, pain is not going to be um, sourced from tissue damage. There's so many different factors that can cause pain. It isn't because you've got a weak back. Sorry, it may not be because you've got a weak back. It might not be because you've got a weak core. There's loads of different reasons and we need to stop seeing it through this biomechanical lens. It's, it's ridiculous. I, mean, I think if anything, that last little bit there, uh, it's just really highlighted the importance of language in uh, everything we do. So I think it, 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 that old saying, isn't it? Think before you speak. You know, people uh, people are, uh, run foul of that. They, they don't think before they say something. The next thing you know, they've caused you know untold damage. And I think that's why we need to maybe stop before we say something and think, hang on, is, is this going to cause damage? Because if it is, maybe I shouldn't say it. I'd say what, if you want another big name that we can shit on, it's the most obvious one when I think of no suppose. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, don't you? Athlete yeah, next, Jeff Cavalier. Yeah, yeah. This guy has got millions of followers on Instagram, and he and it, yeah, and, it, and it always his videos always start with "Stop doing this." This is killing your game. Yeah, stop, stop doing this. You know, yeah, this yeah. is yeah. killing it's your clickbaity game. bollocks, isn't it? It's like he's not obviously not thinking about no. it, is he? Um, so he is a physiotherapist, but he's a physiotherapist that only solely relies on the biomechanical model. And the problem with the biomechanical model is you can make a lot of assumptions just because you're looking at the pieces of the jigsaw. Do you know what I mean? You can assume what it's going to build just by looking at the pieces without looking at the actual bigger picture. You know, he has a whole video series called The Iron Graveyard where he demonizes certain exercises saying they're awful for you. They're going to damage your joints. They're going to do this and that. They're going to hurt you. They're going to injure you without actually dropping any kind of proof whatsoever. I mean, in one of those videos, he, he absolutely shreds apart leg extensions as in the machine leg extensions saying that they're going to inherent they're inherently bad for you but actually we've got papers such as you know 
two earliest 2001 canal that showed that leg extensions helped in the athlete population you know they helped people they helped rehab their knees with leg extensions those with jumpers knee he's the guy that demonized the upright row and now we've got evidence in 2020 by park saying that actually so basically the upright row i don't know if you guys know the upright row it's actually one of my yeah, favorite yeah. exercises Ironically, when I followed uh, Athlinex, he put me off it for a long, long time. And then when I realised he was full of shit, I picked it back up again. I've been loving it ever <laughs> since. Uh, pain-free, may I add. So the upright row, the idea is that, oh, you you impinge your shoulder because the, the joint is very, very, very... There's not enough room. And when you do the upright movement with your elbow, then your shoulder joint gets compressed and it pinches on nerves and it creates all this damage, etc. But no, that 2020 paper by Park shows that actually... There's no relationship between acromiohumeral distance and pain in adults with subacromial pain syndrome. So yeah, it's. Do you know what we need to we need to do better? Um, not as not just as trainers, as coaches, you know, doctors, clinicians in general, physios. I'm not even going to mention chiropractors because the majority of them are subhuman anyway. But um, we need to do, do better. Of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not all chiropractors though. <laughs> There are some that are okay. Uh, they just make me uh, chiropractors. They just make you feel good. That's it. Yeah, it's just another another recovery they make, tool. They make that, great sounds. Yeah, great, great. That's it, isn't it? Did you feel that? Does that make you feel good? And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, that is technically placebo. You hear a crack, you think, oh, that's oh, done something. When actually, it's probably yeah. done fuck all. But because it's made a noise, you're like, oh, yep, there we go. It's you know what? Um, one of the biggest no suppose I ever witnessed was one of my original clients. She actually, she was born with spina bifida, which is a condition in the spine. She was, she was born with that. And she was very fragile. She feared everything. Then when she came to me, I eventually, we broke down those barriers of fear. We ended up getting her squatting, deadlifting. I had her deadlifting 60 kg, which is, you know, for a small woman of her frame, was an amazing weight. weight. And all of a sudden, other things started happening in her life. She started going out more with her husband. She took up Bollywood dancing just all these dramatic improvements. And then she stopped seeing me for a while. She just kind of went dark. And when she did come back to me, she said she'd started seeing a chiropractor. And it all just went downhill from there. He told her that there was this wrong with her, that wrong with her. And suddenly she just did not want to deadlift anymore. She stopped everything. And there you go. That's why I don't like chiropractors. What a, what a wanker. We're definitely going to do an episode on chiropractors, so um, make sure you subscribe because that will be dropping probably. I reckon we can get that in the recovery series, to be honest. Chiropractors, yeah, um, we'll definitely get that in there. That'll be that'll be a good one. So I think we'll wrap up there, guys. We've been going for about a while. It's been over an hour. So um, yeah, if you if you think that I just dropped to some venom in the past, what fifteen half hour, <laughs> you know, then you're definitely going to see some venom on the chiropractor episode. <laughs> Stay tuned. Anyway, guys, it's been a pleasure as always, and I'll speak to you again next week. See you later, guys. As always, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode and more importantly, took something of value away. We teased some big episodes coming up in the future and told you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And I'm going to remind you again to make sure you hit that subscribe slash follow button on your podcast app so you're notified when our next episode goes live. And while you're there, it would also be great if you could leave us some feedback, uh, you know, maybe a review or a rating. It's all very much appreciated. So we will see you next week, same time, same place for a brand new episode. See you soon.